Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Be With podcast with me, your host, Barbara Aroshina. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Be With podcast. It has been six months since I have been here. And I am absolutely delighted to be able to welcome you to this three-part series as my gift uh, to you for winter solstice. This series that is going to explore what it means for the light and the darkness to be as one. This podcast is really an offering. It is a series of three interviews that I recorded with Amy Kretzky, Rachel Maddox, and Asha Frost last year, right around actually this time. And that um, recently I felt called by my guides and my ancestors to release these episodes now. And I've kind of re-edited them sat with them, wondered, I wonder, I wonder what the impetus behind this re-release or release for the first time, I guess, is going to be. And of course, this morning as I woke up uh, and tuned in, there was a very kind of strong download that came through me that said, it's time to release these episodes and we're going to, we're going to do a parallel teaching here. We're going to talk about trauma and we're going to talk about the solstice as parallel experiences so as we go into these episodes i really want you to think about this as a living breathing metaphor to begin to think about our trauma as fertile soil as that deep dark you know the shortest day of the year from which our wholeness may emerge if we allow it if that is we're willing to trust that it's a natural tipping point towards the light and that the light is in the darkness and the darkness is in the light and then together it's the light and the darkness that shapes the wholeness of who we are. And so this is just going to be a short introduction to the full three episodes that you're going to hear. I'm releasing them all today for winter solstice and they're really my gift to you, I guess, after having journeyed through my own, um, I think what some would call a dark night of the soul uh, over the last year as I've done some really intense therapeutic work, trauma work, coming back to myself work, unearthing parts of my true self that have been buried for a really long time, stepping into forgiveness and empowerment and liberation and knowing that this great big journey that I've been on is really um, just a threshold into a sharing of my soul work with you all um, and wanting to take this moment and really honor that here. So, you know, as you hear this introduction and then hear the episodes, if you find yourself resonating with what you hear and really enjoying these episodes and you want to explore this work more deeply, um, especially through ritual, whether alone or with friends, then I'm actually really excited to be announcing that the other thing I got instructions on today was that it's time to release my first ritual offering, which is so, so great. Um, for those of you that don't know, there's kind of a, a small group gathering that I've been running once in a while in Toronto uh, called The Gathering, and we meet together to do ritual and to sing and to light candles and to break bread and pass wine and, you know, engage with some mystical Christian tradition, but also engage with 
pagan practices and witch practices. As I've been putting that service together, we've got our next one coming up this Sunday. We're going to be exploring embodiment as incarnation. And I'm going to take that service and transform it into a full ritual uh, kit or guide. You could say a ritual guide for you to be able to lead either a personal ritual for yourself or a group ritual for as many people as you would like, which will include readings, suggested music, um, in-depth teaching from me, discussion questions, a tarot spread, as well as a guided audio somatic practice to help you really drop into your body and attune to the fertile mystery within you. And so that offering is going to be called embodying our light and darkness a ritual guide and it is available on my website now you can see the link in my bio and um, the content for it is going to arrive on the 24th so the the link to purchase is available now and then if you would like to the content then will kind of like arrive to your inbox on December 24th now that I've shared a little bit about that which is really exciting and I'm I'm so I'm so excited for you to get be able to experience that on your own or with people if you'd like um because I do think that one thing I find myself aching for and really enjoying when I make time and intention to cultivate it with friends is ritual practice in community um and being in group worship group ritual group attentiveness uh I, I just find it such a, a healing process and it would be my honor, really, to support you as you take some time to gather with community, or maybe even as you take some time to gather yourself, to gather all your energy back towards yourself and practice embodiment, practice spending time in body and with spirit, listening, attuning to the light within you, attuning to the dark within you, and doing some deep reclamation work of your true whole self which really actually is a, a nice lead into what this introduction is going to be and then the next three episodes are going to be. So to give you a bit of a background on these episodes and my work at this time and kind of what, what you're in for if you decide to stick around for the next you know few hours of listening really and engaging with this content. Um, so about a year ago when I recorded these interviews, I was maybe just a couple of months into my own um, one-on-one somatic trauma-focused practice with a practitioner, my lovely practitioner, Marika, who I absolutely adore. Um, And I had done some trauma work before. Part of Gestalt is that we, you know, Gestalt psychotherapy is that we train in embodied practices and we do a lot of parts work, you know, working with your kind of the different parts of us. And so I had done some trauma work before, but I'd never worked with a practitioner who specifically really focused on, you know, early childhood um, developmental trauma or attachment or any of that stuff. And so when we got to working together and began our professional relationship, I really came into therapy and somatic therapy kind of like a hot shot being like, you know, I have my own practice. I'm very trauma informed. I like, I, I know that what I'm experiencing are symptoms of trauma. I just have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> and it was one of those things, you know, that was like deeply humbling because I, I was looking at the series of symptoms and problems and stuck points that I was experiencing. And I was like, ah, damn it, these are 100%, 
you know, a matter of trauma trapped in my nervous system and old attachment patterns that don't serve me anymore and um, hurt and wounding that I'm just carrying around into my adult life. But I have no effing clue about what to do about any of them. And so it was a deeply humbling experience, um, you know, to share some of the symptoms with you of what I was going in with. Um, I was waking up at night repeatedly um, and it wasn't happening like all the time, but there would be spurts and seasons where, you know, I would get triggered and then for several nights in a row, I would just get woken up. Like, I swear, sometimes it was every 20 minutes or I would be experiencing insomnia and really noticing this kind of like hypervigilance that was happening inside of me. Um, my sex drive had really been struggling. I noticed a significant drop in my libido and kind of an inability to be able to stay present during intimate times. So kind of uh, a constant leaving of my body, a dissociation of like running up into my head while trying to have sex and enjoy just pleasure. Um, I also found that there was a real sense of apathy in my work and in my coaching practice that I was feeling not only lost about how to move forward, but I was also feeling really resistant and burnt out and pissed off at my practice, um, feeling like frustrated and um, really kind of like at my rope's end with myself. Like I just felt like I was getting in my own way all the time. And, and the way that was manifesting for me, you know, and if you've followed my work long enough, you will know this, is that I would continually kind of... Um, you know, come up with a project or, or feel some guidance to create a project. And I would start building towards it. I would build a lot of momentum. I would get excited. I might even launch it. Um, this happened with both the Be With Community and the Be With Initiation. Um, I think maybe even something else, but I'm forgetting right now. But I would kind of like get really into it. And then I would even sometimes go through the sales process. But as things started getting real, as the sales process would begin, I would come up against this really, really, really brutally hard resistance, like just absolutely torturous resistance that made me feel like I was trying to bully myself into something that I no way or shape wanted to do. And my inner child and my inner tween would just start losing their shit, just like absolutely being like, no, you can't make me. I don't want to. I hate this. I hate myself. I hate you. And and suddenly I would find that this really dark spiral would come up around like really being very angry with myself and hating myself, which isn't, you know, by this point really wasn't a common experience in my day-to-day life. And so I knew that my intense reaction to this resistance, my intense reaction to even the intensity of the resistance itself was not just rooted in what I was trying to do, but it was rooted in something much deeper in my body and in my system that was imprinted onto me and that I was coming up against. Um, I also found that I was experiencing um, some really intense moments of grief that I seemed to kind of like fall down these like, I don't even know how to describe it other than like, holes in the ground where like I would drop into a puddle of grief and then suddenly I would feel just like no one could make it better I can make it better no one else could make it better um I was basically inconsolable and so when this kind of unending grief would come up um often what would rise to the surface 
is this profound, aching, sharp, painful missing of my parents from whom I'd been estranged by this point for, you know, um, two years, exactly, almost just over two years. Um, and so I, but then when I would miss them, I would have this sense of absolute hopelessness and helplessness because it didn't actually feel like I had the capacity to be back in touch with them again, which would then in its own way, almost make the hopelessness and helplessness even stronger. You know, and I kept coming into this kind of like, oh, there's, it's hard because I know this is a really loaded word, but the sense of being a perpetual victim, that really the sense of being like a perpetual victim of my parents' homophobia, the way that they were raised and their limited capacity to be able to show up for me the way that I needed them to, both now, but also when I was a child. And realizing that, you know, I, I knew of others who were able to find some way to be able to be in touch with their parents in a way that was life-giving while also recognizing their parents' limitations and faults. And I don't, I don't think at that point I could even imagine that kind of way forward. I just knew that I was heartbroken about them all the time and I missed them terribly. I had this desire to be in touch with them. I had this grief about who they weren't able to be when I was little. And I was heartbroken about them. And yet I was out of touch with them. So if I was out of touch with them, why was I so heartbroken? And if I was so heartbroken, why was that heartbreak consistently the same over and over again and kind of never got better? Um, and so there was that period also with this com consistent, you know, sense of knowing there were things I really wanted. There were things I was really longing for. And, and, you know, one of those things was that I was slowly starting to consider in the back of my mind, like, would it be possible for me in some way or shape or form to be in relationship with my parents, but in a way that doesn't destroy me? Because it really felt like being in a relationship with them automatically meant that I would be destroyed, that I would be taken down, that I would crumble because I had crumbled in the past because what they felt about me and how they perceived me would kind of just naturally meld into how I experienced, not myself, but my life. Because in the past, this pattern would happen where I would see them, you know, and they would either make snide remarks or um, in bigger instances, you know, really big conflict would happen. Like they would have a lot of difficulty with um, Tanya coming with me to my brother's wedding or they refused to come to my wedding altogether. And that would really like hurt me to this depth of experience that I knew on one hand was natural to feel because they're my parents. But on the other hand, I knew that to feel that depth of heartbreak over my parents being unable to show up for me in the way that I wish they could, it was like it was completely uninformed by my adult experience that said, I understand why my parents can't show up for me this way. And it's not personal. It is really all about who they are and where they're at in their lives and in their personal growth and what they're afraid of and what they're struggling with and what they can't make space for. And it actually has nothing to do with me. And just because they're having a hard time with me doesn't mean I need to be having a hard time. And that boundary just, even though intellectually, 
I knew that that was the case. Emotionally, I couldn't seem to crawl out of the grief hole whenever I would land in it. And so I was experiencing, you know, this kind of intensity of emotion that I knew that was happening on on an emotional, nervous system, physical, spiritual level that all the knowledge in the world, all the mindset in the world, work in the world hadn't helped. Um, And then the last symptom I was experiencing is that I was also really finding myself stuck um, when it came to getting a move on things I really knew I wanted. So there were some things that I had this kind of deep sense that I knew I wanted um, for a long time that I'd really been craving, longing for, wanting to explore, but just feeling a complete kind of lack of full embodied agency to make those things happen, both by making sure that others in my life can support me with them, but also by actually taking the necessary steps to move in the direction of those things. And um, a lot of these things were really deeply personal and deeply intimate. And I, I didn't even know how to, how to begin to unpack what these places of stuckness were around experiences I wanted to have in my life, um, ways I wanted to embody my authenticity in the world, things I wanted to own, um, yeah, places I wanted to travel even, um, you know, emotionally as well as physically. And so over the next year, as I started doing this, this depth work, I discovered that what I, my guess had been right. I had some serious childhood work to do. And because my, the way kind of my nervous system and brain chemistry had dealt with my childhood, I I don't have a lot of childhood memories. I have very few, especially of um, growing up with, unfortunately, of growing up with my parents. Um, And so because of this, a lot of the work that we had to do was purely on a somatic level. So purely in terms of like working with my physical body and with feeling sensation on my body and then that sensation pulling up emotions that needed to come up allowing those emotions to come up safely in a titrated way over time so that I could begin to really meet my inner child in her grief, in her suffering, in her feelings of not being seen, of being neglected, of not being met, of having her responses and natural desires shut down um, and really making space for her Um and, and finding out, you know, as I did that, that she really wanted to be included more in the process of my life. She wanted to have a bigger voice. Um, and, you know, the previous year I had worked with a, an intuitive and a healer that we had talked about the fact that like there was this, these parts of me that I'd really buried deep under the surface that now we're starting to kind of wanting to come up, but I, I just didn't know how to let them come up safely. And so as I did the somatic work, these other parts of me, I, I began to recover that I hadn't had that I hadn't had capacity to hold for so long in my life, just because I hadn't had the appropriate support, and that really made my life a lot more difficult and made my life a lot more work. Um, and these were the parts of me that were like, "Hey, you didn't, you weren't checking you in with me early on in the process of like coming up with a project or with a new initiative for your business." To find out if that's really what's going to make the wholeness of us really happy. And so like by the time that you're running this this thing, that's what we're like freaking out and screaming. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because you've not given us a voice. 
And so I've had to do, you know, so much of this kind of reparenting, listening for the deep, deep, deep child work in me. And and that's been such a big part of the last year. You know, I also had to acknowledge, and for some of you who followed my journey, I had to really kind of come to come back into my pastoral calling as you've seen me do what I'd never done in that trauma healing process is I'd never kind of completed the cycle of actually letting myself follow the desire follow the desire to its natural follow-through of moving moving into a position of spiritual leadership and into ordination but in a way that felt really right and appropriate for me And so that's one of the things that I did in the last year, right? As I did a training program over a year that kind of allowed me to to study ministry from a non-denominational interfaith, you know, perspective and become an ordained minister now here so that I can do this work and honor, most importantly, so that I can honor that desire in the young me that said, hey, this is my calling. This is what I've been put on the planet to do and to be and to just like shove that under a rug isn't going to work you know it's it's going to mean that the rest of my life is going to feel like so much more work because I'm not honoring who I really really am and so it wasn't until I started doing this healing work and began to really deeply listen to and trust my body and actually begin to put that which I heard first to begin to put that which I needed and wanted first. Until I was able to do those things, I couldn't really trust myself enough to follow through with the things that I was longing for because often they were number one, out of alignment. And number two, I didn't have like the full team of Barbara behind me. I didn't have my own back because I didn't have the authentic me, the true me, the unapologetic me, the owning who I am me leading the way. And so, you know, if you're interested, you can kind of, if you're like, oh, I can connect with some of that, but some of that still feels really far off. Maybe listening to the episode before this one, which I recorded six months ago with one of my best friends, Rosemary McAdam, who's a therapist, kind of filling her in on my trauma healing journey thus far. It might be a really interesting episode for you to listen to because there I really talk about I'm like so in the middle of it, you can tell. I'm like deeply in the middle of it. I'm like just learning how to really grasp what it means to regain a sense of safety, internal safety in the body in the present moment. I'm really learning what it means to look at things as they are. And I'm starting to like kind of take apart what it means to do trauma work that allows us to look at our lives honestly and fully and still feel a sense of safety there. Um, So that might be just interesting for you to check out. But as I went through, you know, this, this process, what I discovered over time is that it's in my trauma, in my grief, my neglect, my shame and loss, that, that those are the places kind of that were covering over where my true self was hiding but that those places were also the the ground in which my light and my power and my true self were and that they were never separate from my darkness and my mystery that my darkness was this rich void this you know beautiful black fertile soil from which my whole self could actually be actualized and be born 
and brought forward. And so, you know, my darkness was integral to my wholeness. And that's really what I'm learning to sit with now. And it's not a new concept in, you know, psychology. This is what Jung talked about as the shadow self that's so important to be integrated in. I think a lot of uh, one of my teachers, Lindsay Mack, of kind of her teaching about working with with the the scared parts of us, working with the ego and learning to kind of work with our inner children, working with these parts of us that are really deeply uncomfortable, but learning to love what is. Learning to love what is here, what is now, all those voices within us so that we can have access to our soul voice by incorporating and integrating all that's present. And so in the next three episodes, here are a few things I want you to keep in the back of your mind as you take these episodes in. There's a question that's underneath everything that me and my three guests talk about that sometimes we're even exploring overtly. And the question is, where is spirit in the suffering? Where is spirit in our suffering? Now, in in many ways, what I want to begin by saying is that I recorded these episodes a year ago. And so I think at that point in my spiritual growth and my development, it really still felt like a polarity. Like on one hand, there's spirit and on one hand, there's suffering. And, and as you know, the year has gone on and I've learned to love what is more and more and more and more, I, that the question of where is spirit in our suffering creates this unnecessary polarity where spirit is on one end and then suffering is on the other. And then light is on one end and darkness is on the other and goodness is on one end and evil is on the other. And these are created as opposites. And this is a belief that colonization has harnessed and held onto and used to pull us away from systems that honor the liminal, that honor the void, the dark, the mystery, that offer, that honor suffering and death as holy, sacred processes. And I think that this is where solstice comes in as a sacred embodied opportunity to remember that the dark is where we can access the wholeness of who we are, that the dark is an extremely important threshold of integration, that our resistance to our pain and to the dark isn't only because it's hard, but it's also because we've been told to be ashamed of it. We've been told to be ashamed of the places in us that hurt. We've been told and taught over lifetimes to be ashamed of the places where we are weak, where we are hurting, where we are limited by our culture. We've been told to taught, we've been taught to judge those places within ourselves and within others. You know, and, and I'll probably do a whole episode on reconciling with my parents, but just to give like a quick example, like, one of the main things that needed to happen for me to reconcile with my parents was that I had to drop the judgment I felt towards them because of their limitations and because of what they believe. I had to release any high ground that says that their inability to love and celebrate my queerness is somehow wrong or bad I had to let that go. And this is a lesson I'm still, I promise you, I'm still continuing to learn in other parts of my life. Of course, when we experience limitation or harm from someone, 
or oppression from someone, of course the human response is to lash back, to judge, to be angry, to protect. And all those things are really, really important. They're part of a very healthy developmental process. They're really vital. But at some point in our spiritual growth, we move towards a place where we are able to invite in forgiveness and acceptance of who the other is, of who we really are. If we can drop the shame around being who we are, then that's when we reclaim the power to connect with the fullness of who we are underneath that. And then from there, regain agency and the ability to be able to make choices towards peace, towards reconciliation, towards sharing what we have to offer as gift. And so over the next three episodes, these are the themes you're going to hear me and my guests explore. We're going to talk about some of the basics of what is trauma, why some of us resist seeing our trauma, why some of us are asleep in a, in a trauma spell, how different people wake up to their trauma and to the places where we've buried our pain, um, how for some of us it's a, a personal tragedy or personal pain that brings us to a moment of reckoning with what we've had to survive. For some of us, it's institutional uh, pain that wakes us up. We're going to talk about the importance of the body and the nervous system and the relationship between the body and the nervous system and spirit. We're going to explore how spirit uses the healing of our trauma for exponential healing for ourselves and the collective. And then we're, we're really going to talk about new ways of being able to be with the pain for the purpose of a reclamation of who we are and and seeing how that can make a, a way for us to regain our personal power and our personal wholeness and to move forward. And I think these three healers are just such prime examples of this journey and I'm just so honored that they came on and shared of themselves so freely and so fully with me and with the podcast. And I am deeply grateful to them for that. So that's what you're going to hear a little bit about. And then if you once again find this work really important and interesting and you'd like to pursue it more deeply, you are absolutely welcome to reach out to me and talk a little bit about how I can support you in the process. Maybe some one-on-one work might be might be time for you. It might be time for you to do some one-on-one work, in which case I would love to explore with you what that could look like. Or maybe you are just longing to do this work on your own, in your own space, privately incubated, or incubated with a group of friends, in which case the embodying our light and darkness ritual guide might be a really good choice at this moment, which you can check out. You know, both are available in the show notes. I encourage you to consider perhaps uh, grabbing a pen and a journal for these episodes because they are really, really in-depth. All three folks who I interviewed have been in practice for a long time, so they are experts. If you're a practitioner, you will find these episodes probably extra powerful and potent because we talk a lot about what it means to do this work as a practitioner, as a caregiver, as a tender of souls. But really, I think this podcast series is for anyone who wants to reclaim this time of year, 
that wants to reclaim who they really are, who wants to engage with the darkness and the depth, knowing that it is a rich mystery and a place where we can actually find ourselves. So on that note, I hope you have a beautiful solstice, that you make some time for yourself, whatever that looks like. And if you're listening to this after solstice and you know it's still winter, I encourage you to take some time and really give yourself permission to sit with the dark, sit with the quiet, and know that in that there is a beautiful depth of who you are and who spirit is that is available to us at any given moment and that there is no shame in honoring your dark mystery and the places that you might be afraid to look in inside of yourself and that actually that's where all the richness is and that your light and your dark is beautiful and that your light and your dark are actually one. They're part of the exact same thing, which is your soul embodied in this beautiful human body made manifest um, spirit making itself known. That's who you are. That's who I am. And I'm so glad to be on this journey of being incarnate with you, of being spirit with you. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast or this introduction at least. Enjoy the next three interviews. If you are up for it, I would absolutely love it if you would share a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or send it, or better yet, like do that and send it directly to someone else in your life who is navigating these questions at this time and who could use the support because I would love for them to be able to have this resource uh, to access. So thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely day and let's let's get the, the first episode going, shall we?